Glorious devotees, thank you for returning to another presentation on Srila Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha. Uh, we were continuing with our discussion today regarding the fourfold army in support of the Parivas Sutra. This fourfold army um, is in complete support of the statement Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam, which is the Parivas Sutra or the key for understanding the entirety of the core message of Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, so we have covered with Srila Jiva Goswami, uh, beginning with supportive statements. Then in the second division, uh, he masterfully presented excerpts from the Bhagavat Purana, uh, showing that Krishna was the main subject in all the major dialogues. And now we come to the third and fourth divisions, which are packed together by Shijiva Goswami dealing with hermeneutics. So both Sat Pramana and Sad Linga. So these are two different uh, systems of hermeneutics. And of course, to go back to the definition of hermeneutics, hermeneutics is a theory and methodology of interpretation especially the interpretation of scriptural texts, wisdom literature, and philosophical texts. 
Hermeneutics is more than interpretive principles or methods used when immediate comprehension fails and includes the heart of understanding and communication. So the application of hermeneutics is being pointed out in the definition itself as requiring some, some mastery of the subject matter. And this is in a general definition. Um, so how much more it applies in um, looking at hermeneutics in relationship to the Bhagavat Purana and the other uh, scriptural texts uh, in the Vedic uh, pantheon. So uh, to reread, we just got started in the last class. Um, we'll reread the beginning Anacheda and we'll start on a deep dive, which will be as deep as um, the limited intellect of the presenter um, is able to take you <laughs> in explaining uh, these particular Anuchedas. So just so we know, first Jiva Goswami is going to deal with Sat Praman, and he's going to uh, employ uh, hermeneutics examples from the Mimamsa school. So karma Mimamsa, uh, is that school of uh, wisdom wherein uh, the ultimate objective of the practitioner is um, karma or karmic activity, and those karmic activities are conducted uh, by drawing from uh, the Vedic texts um, the proper procedures for sacrificial um, sacrifices and, and sacrificial offerings uh, so that uh, a good result can be attained and one can uh, attain happiness through that result. Uh, or a bad result can be uh, eliminated in some instances if one has uh, transgressed the laws of scripture. Uh, uh, a sacrifice can also be conducted in that uh, context also. So that's the one hermeneutic set, uh, which is called Sat Praman. And there's also a little bit of the introduction of the Sadlinga. Uh, and the Sadlinga has already been presented in the Paramatma Sandarbha, and this also is dealing with uh, scriptural interpretation uh, according to certain principles. So first, we'll deal with those principles, um, which he is drawing from uh, the hermeneutics and how they can be applied. So really what Jiva Goswami is doing is he's showing that Okay, we have shown we have a Pariva Sutra. It's the key to understanding the primary Praman or evidence for scriptural Sambanda, Abhideya, and Prayojan uh, for the spiritual practitioner whose ultimate objective is attainment of Prem Bhakti uh, as delineated 
through the gracious dispensation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he's shown the Pariva Sutra. He's dealt with that. Now he's fortifying the position of the Pariva Sutra in relationship to the primary scripture of the Gaudiyas, which is the mature commentary on the Vedanta Sutra by the author himself, Srila Vyasudeva. And that commentary is the Srimad Bhagavatam. Generally, uh, in looking to uh, the Vedanta Sutra, a commentary is presented by the head of a sampradaya in accordance with the conception of spiritual attainment that that particular sampradaya is, uh, is trying to uh, attain, that the uh, the uh, the Pryojan, what is the Pryojan? So generally the Pryojan in, in uh, any spiritual practice is liberation um, from pain and suffering of material existence. But that Pryojan is presented differently, as we know, uh, according to the angle of vision. Vedanti tat tatvavidas tatvam yajnanam advayam, that non-dual absolute can be approached as Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. And once we come to the conception of Bhagavan, then there are so many manifestations of uh, the Supreme Lord uh, with qualifications, with qualities, and different schools as aspire to um, service to that one supreme being and uh, approach him differently according to um, attaining a relationship of service with him. So let us begin the 74th Adhichaita. So now we're analyzing the Bhagavad itself according to the six pramans, pramanas. And he's going to go over the pramanas, present them to us, go into them in depth, and show compare show how they're applied to the narrative of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and how they're also have been applied uh, by the Mimamsa school uh, in attaining the appropriate conclusion through application of pramans to Vedic, uh, the Vedic presentations so that a sacrifice can be successfully conducted. So in this way, it has been established that the unanimous intent of both the chief hearers and speakers of the Bhagavad is Sri Krishna. Now the same conclusion will be validated by the six hermeneutical indicators of textual analysis, praman, such as Shruti, direct statement, linga, inferential mark, or word, word denotation, and so on. Then he first uh, breaks out the first of these six indicators, Shruti. Shruti is a direct statement, uh, direct statement defined as an independent declaration, uh, has already been shown in the statement, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. 
Then he goes on to give us an overview of linga, inferential mark, the inferential signifier, linga, which has the power to support the independent declaration, is to be recognized in verses such as the following. While Brahma looked on, all the cowherd boys immediately appeared to him with dark complexions like that of a rain cloud and adorned in yellow silken garments. So it's an inference. We, we have to apply the key, the Shruti statement, in order to come to the correct conclusion regarding this uh, Brahma Vimohan Leela and what Brahma actually experienced. And what he experienced is he, he saw the cowherd boys and the calves. They immediately transformed and their complexions turned dark. And they were all adorned with yellow silken garments and they manifested the form of Lord Vishnu. Elsewhere in the Vedas, however, the revelate Shruti is to be conjectured on the strength of its inferential mark, linga, in the form of mantra. Then it gives an example. I cut the sacrificial grass, the seat of the Davis. But here in the Bhagavad, the Shruti is directly pre present in the form of the declaration. Krishna's, however, it, Krishna, however, is Bhagavan himself. And this is what distinguishes the Bhagavat's inferential, inferential signifier, linga, from that of the Vedas. Namely, and then the example again, Bahir Deva Sadhanam Nami. So when we hear this statement, I cut the sacrificial, which is translated, I cut the sacrificial grass, the seed of the Devas. How do we apply that? We come across that statement. Um, in the Vedas, and what's the application? And there's a there's a there's a process uh, that can be applied, which in the commentary is completely unpacked, so that we can come to how is this particular statement to be applied? What sacrifice? What's the objective of the sacrifice? What kind of grass? What devas are being seeded? We do not have that problem, as Jeeva's pointing out, with this example from the Bhagavat where Brahma saw all the cowherd boys and calf, calves turn into manifestations of Vishnu because we can apply the Parivas Sutra. We don't have to search it out. Um, it's, it's already been established at the very beginning of the book. So, so from the commentary, we'll just bring out a little bit here. Shri Jiva Goswami now begins a new investigation to validate the same conclusion, analyzing the subject of the book from the six hermeneutical indicators described in the Jamini Sutra, and then he quotes from that sutra. When direct statement, shruti, inferential mark or word meaning, linga, sentence or 
syntactical connection, vakya, context or independence, pakarana, positional order of words, stana and name, samakya, are present simultaneously. Each member is progressively weaker in interpretive force because of increasing remoteness from the meaning. So here in this sutra, the application of the hermeneutics is being explained and the hierarchy of the various pramans is being established that a direct statement in the scripture carries the most weight. And then something that can be directly inferred and pointing to such a shruti statement easily, a linga, uh, holds, holds the, the second rank and on and on down. So he's going to go through examples of these as we proceed. In the commentary, we hear the strength of a particular praman is assessed by its proximity to the meaning. For example, shruti means a direct statement or an independent speech sound, nirapeksharava. This means that the words that make up such an independent declaration express their sense without any intermediate steps, as required in the case of linga and so on. Therefore, shruti is the strongest indicator of the meaning or subject of a text. So if we apply that to our the Bhagavad example that Jiva Goswami has given us, then it, it's apparent that Krishna, however, is the supreme personality of Godhead. It's direct, it's simple. We don't need any more explanation. He is the topmost manifestation of divinity, and it's pointed out there at the beginning of the book, Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam. Now, if we take the example Jiva Goswami's given uh, for a linga, um, then we look to the experience of Brahma, and because of the nature of the experience that he immediately saw those forms trans being tra manifest their their form was changed into vishnu's then he could immediately conclude from that experience that this little boy krishna who he tried to bewilder has to be the supreme personality of godhead because from him all the different, he has to be the Amsi because all these different Amsas, the Vishnu manifestations, have sprung forth from him, initially springing forth as his associates and the calves, and then changing forms into Vishnu manifestations uh, directly before Brahma's vision. A little bit more here. I recognize that this is a little bit thick, but it's it's interesting because uh, we see even in modern day Gaudiya Vaishnavism that sometimes uh, things are not 
properly presented. Um, and uh, a philosophical point will be made in relationship to a verse wherein the verse is completely taken out of context, out of the context of what how it's been presented in the narrative and used to, point, to make a philosophical point uh, that contradicts another statement that might be there present in the Bhagavad Purana that directly deals with the statement. So which of those which of those two carry more weight? Well, we have to come, we have to first, what, what are those statements that make up the core siddhanta of the sampradaya? And those shruti statements, um, one that I see, and I've always pulled from uh, my spiritual master's commentary in regards to um, the jiva and the jiva following from Vaikuntha in the place in the Bhagavatam where it is directly said, the question comes up, Yudhisthira says, in relationship to Jaya and Vijaya falling to the material world, he says, I can't believe it. It doesn't, it, it does not correspond with the overall understanding of the nature of Vaikuntha. And in that commentary, his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami says, where he comments on this verse, it is a fact. No one falls from Vaikuntha. Now he's made other statements that in other places, primarily not in his commentaries, but in other situations, preaching situations, where he said there is, there is the possibility of a fall from Vaikuntha due to envy. So in those preaching circumstances, um, they do not carry as much weight as the statement he made directly in the Bhagavat commentary dealing directly with the subject matter. This is where hermeneutics and at least a, a superficial understanding of it and how it's applied by uh, religious scholars to arrive at the appropriate conclusion and understanding of scriptural statements um, plays a part and, and can be advantageous to us. We may not be able to master all the details of how to apply it, uh, which may require entering into a deep and comprehensive understanding of all the, the schools, the different philosophical schools, and what their conclusions are, and what scriptures they uh, rely upon for those conclusions, and how they apply the rules to where we have a comprehensive grasp of how to properly apply hermeneutics in arriving at the proper conclusion. But at least to know that is, that is there in the background and to have a grasp of it and to be able to, to, be able to just, um, when needed, when necessary, 
do a deep dive and bring out the books, understand the hermeneutic principles. If we ourselves uh, may want to fortify our understanding and not only fortify it, but be able to, to feel confident that the conclusion that we have arrived at is one that's supported both by Shruti, by Linga, by all of these different hermeneutic principles uh, when and if it is required. So, Jiva, I'm sorry, the commentary continues. Again, it's a little thick, but um, there, there is there is some real some real nectar here for us in in simply having this comprehensive overview. So I I've I've brought into the um, visual presentation the entire uh, Anuchetas, and we'll read through them. And as best I can, I will explain what I can, and hopefully we can come out of this on the other side with a little bit of a, 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 a comprehensive insight. Um, if it wasn't significant, believe me, Srila Jiva Goswami would not have used it as the third and fourth fortifier of the Parivasutra. Linga, or inferential mark, refers to the power of words to denote some particular idea. This power in the conventional is the conventional meaning conveyed by the words. Vakya, or a sentence, is a syntactically connected utterance. It is the pronouncing together of two or more words expressing subsidiary or principal meaning. Pakarana or context involves what is known as ubaya kanksa, the interdependence, expectancy, or mutual need for complementarity existing between two or more sentences. Stana or position refers to the order in which words appear in a statement. Samakya or name is a word understood in its etymological sense, which is of two types, Vedic or idiomatic. The difference between Shruti and Samakya is that Shruti provides the conventional meaning, Rudi, while Samakya gives the etymology. These six indicators help to determine the relation of subordinate, subordinate and principal elements in an injunction, vinyoga vidi. We'll go a little deeper into these as we proceed. Uh, some more here. The object of all of these six pramans is to convey vinyoga or application within the context of Vedic rituals. So again, he's, he's pulled from the mamsas, these particular pramans, and he's saying here that their primary, primary purpose is used in determining the proper application and 
application in the context of performing a Vedic ritual, a Vedic sacrifice. The need for Vini Yoga arises because the process of executing a ritual act, Dharma Kriya, Kriya activity, Dharma, how to do Dharmic activities such as Yajna, is not always laid out clearly in a step-by-step manner. Different elements of the procedure might be found in different places in the Brahmana and Samhita literatures. So of the four divisions of the Vedas, these two divisions, the Brahmana and the Samhita, uh, contain the appropriate directives for performing sacrifice and yogic ritual, dharmic ritual. And as pointed out here, sometimes the, the scriptural presentations don't lay everything out step by step. This is done, then this is done, then this is done, and these gods are petitioned, and these mantras are chanted, and this, this particular priest does this while this priest is doing that, while that priest is doing something else. Very complex system. I mean, if you're going to petition uh, the rulers of the universe... <laughs> or the Supreme Lord, what to speak of petitioning the Lord himself through a sacrificial uh, practice, uh, you, you want to get it right. <laughs> so uh, this is why this is why the Mamamsas are, are so uh, keen on how to put the pieces in proper order and draw the appropriate conclusions so that there's the proper execution of the actions, the kriya, uh, for the attainment of appropriate or beneficial dharma. And when they can't, when it's not directly in front of them in a shruti statement, therefore they have to come to conclusions and they use the set, the set of principles in arriving at the conclusion by study of the scripture. Now, we'll go on. He's, he's covered the first two, Shruti and Linga. And now the Anucheta itself continues, and he comes to this section on Vakya, sentence or syntactical connection. A Vakya is defined as a linguistic utterance, subda, consisting of a number of word units, pada. And we're familiar with this term pada. We have a verse, generally each line of the verse is referred to as a pada. Uh, related to each other through syntactic expectancy, akangsa, somatic competence, yogyata, and word element contiguity, asati, which establishes a unitary meaning. The following utterance is an example of a vakya. So, 
it's not that words are just thrown together willy-nilly. I don't even know what that expression means, but I think it conveys the sense of just, just mixing up or, or taking from anywhere and, and presenting something. But no, all these scriptural statements are very meticulously um, dra- uh, composed uh, by the sages or um, or many scriptural statements are considered uh, aprusheya. They're, they're not even of a human origin, so uh, they're, they're perfectly composed. So Jiva continues in the Anacheta, indeed, in the very act of receptively and attentively hearing this Srimad Bhagavat, Bhakti to Sri Krishna, who is the Supreme Person, Parama Purushe, manifests in a person's heart, dispelling lamentation, illusion, and fear. So he's using this, Jiva is, as an example of uh, Vakya. And he continues in the Anicheta proper to give us more explanation of the terminology Vakya. The significance of this verse as a vakya is demonstrated by the following example. And now he takes an example from a Vedic ritual. In the context of Vedic ritual, we find the mantra, imam agrabhyan rasanam ratasya, grasping the reign of truth. The application of this mantra is clearly indicated to be in the matter matter of taking hold of reins in general. Then, according to the Brahmana sentence, Vakya, Asva, Bidanim Adati, he grasped the reins of a horse. It is made evident that the above mantra is to be employed specifically when taking up a horse's reins. Similarly, in the Bhagavat, we find the statement, in his pure heart, which was established in perfect fixity through the yoga of unalloyed devotion, Hivyas saw the original complete person, Purusham Purnam. Here, there is an unspecified mention of the Purna Purusha. Then, by the Vakya, Krishna Parama Purushe, cited in verse 177, the Purna Purusha is identified as Krishna. Let's go back. So the one, verse 177, he's quoted here, is indeed in the very act of receptively and attentively, attentively hearing this Srimad Bhagavat, Bhakti Tri Krishna, who is the supreme person, self-manifests in a person's heart, dispelling lamentation, illusion, and fear. And Jiva points out that before this verse, there's another verse in his pure heart, which was established in perfect fixity through the yoga of unalloyed devotion. Vyas saw the original complete person, Purusham Purnam. So therefore, we can conclude that the second verse Bhakti 
to Sri Krishna manifested in his heart can be easily arrived at uh, because of the conclusion already established that cited above, he saw the original complete person. So he saw the complete person. It was established uh, perfect fixity and the perfect correlation between the two verses and the subject of the two verses is easily ascertained to be the supreme Purusham Purnam, the Parma Purushe. Then he goes on to the next, the, the uh, fourth of the six hermeneutics, context, setting, or section, prakarana. The following verse provides an example of a prakarana of the specific type known as arabhyadita, in which the prakarana's subject, which is what is intended by all later discussions, is first clearly identified. O Sutta, may you be blessed with all auspiciousness. You know with what intent Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, the protector of the Sattvatas, appearing from Devaki, the wife of Vasudev. So, um, O Sutta, May you be blessed with all auspiciousness. You know with what intent Bhagavan, the protector of the Satipas, appeared. What was the intent of his appearance? Um, so this is in the 12th verse of the very first chapter of the Bhagavatam. And now it's, it's explained. Again, he uses uh, an example from the Purva Mimamsa. Uh, to bring it out so we can imagine we can just by logical conclusion determine that jiva goswami's audience has a familiarity with these with the vedic approach and its application in regards to performing sacrifices. An example is first given from Purva Mimamsa of a Arabhyadita Pakarana to show how later discussions are contextually connected with and hence determined by the Prakarana's opening statement. Just as in the direct statement, Shruti, one should sacrifice by Darsha and Purnamasa. By use of the instrumental case, the means karana by which the result is to be effected is specified as the darsa purnamasa sacrifice by virtue of the context prakarana. The means karana then anticipates a procedure for its accomplishment. This mantra is thus to be connected in the statement samido yajati. He offers to the firewood, which forms part of the procedure. Now, in the commentary, uh, this is unpacked a little bit more. 
but the context is uh, these sacrifices that are that are offered uh, for the for whatever purpose. Uh, they're performed, you know, both in the dark moon and at the full moon. So, and part of the sacrifice is there's an offering of oblations to the firewood. So, in other words, all the articles that are utilized in the sacrifice are blessed. So, an offering is made to the firewood, to the to the seed of the Brahmins, to the uh, to the whole arena. Uh, to the fire itself, uh, to the to the priest that's conducting, and then gradually after every everything that's being used or participated participating in the personalities or the objects used in the sacrifice, they're blessed, and they're blessed in the context of these sacrifices that are performed in the dark moon and the full moon. So he's showing an example here, and he's showing an example in relationship to this statement in that in blessing the speaker, Sutta, Sunaka, on behalf of the sages, is pointing out that you as the speaker know what Sri Krishna, Bhagavan Sri Krishna, and then he he goes on to give some specifics so that there's because there could be many people named Krishna. So here's some characteristics of the Krishna that you know. He's the protector of the sattvatas. He appeared from Devaki. He's the wife who is the wife of Vasudev. So now we know this is the Krishna that you know. And therefore, subsequently, when he, when those sages place the questions before Sutta Goswami, it can be naturally, according to the setting and the context, understood that those questions are related to Bhagavan Sri Krishna. And let there be no confusion about it because you're the, we've already said you're blessed by knowing him. Why would we ask you after making such a pronouncement? Why would we ask you questions about somebody else? It just it, it doesn't make sense. But in this context, in this setting, in this section of the presentation of the Bhagavat Purana, it's it's all neatly presented, and we can know what those questions are in relationship to, even if the subject is not clearly defined by the application of the hermeneutic principle of prakarana. Yanucheta continues, in the mantra, one should sacrifice by Darsha and Purnamasa. There is no mention of the result to be obtained by such a sacrifice, the sadhya. So there's the sadhana and there's the sadhya. You do 
some sadhana, and you do some sacrifice, and you, you have an objective, which then creates the contextual need, a kangsta, to find out what it is. So in the context of, of looking at the scripture and knowing that these sacrifices are performed, well, what are they performed for? It's a natural, it's a natural, uh, the question is naturally going to come up by any inqu inquisitive student who's thinking of having one of these sacrifices. What am I doing this for? Why should I make all these arrangements? This mantra, therefore, must be connected to the aspiration for heaven, because that is the objective introduced in the very beginning of the Prakarana, which opens with the statement, one desiring heaven should worship by means of agnistoma. So this sacrifice at the very beginning, now Jiva's revealing that here's the context of this statement. First of all, the statement that he uses is, is one needs to worship, uh, what was it, the, uh, the wood, <laughs> I believe. And then, and, then the, and then the context is there that the wood is worshipped in relationship in what kind of a sacrifice? Well, the sacrifice is in the full and the dark moon. Okay, well, why are you doing such a sacrifice? So all this is prakarana. All of this is setting, setting, the, setting the scene for the proper understanding of scriptural statements of uh, utilizing the hermeneutics of the context. The Anucheta continues, similarly, in the very beginning of the dialogue between Sunaka and Sutta, which is introduced with the above quoted verse, supreme wonder, Paraman Bhutata, is expressed by the sages headed by Sunaka, specifically in regard to the cause of Sri Krishna's avataric descent. Since they were all intensely eager to learn of this, from this it is to be understood that the subject to be known, jnaya, through all subsequent inquiry must be contextually connected only to Sri Krishna. It is thereby made explicit that he alone is Swayam Bhagavan. All this is exactly what has just been demonstrated in the previous Prakarana, which discloses the unanimous intention of all the speakers and hearers of the Bhagavat. So he's saying, even in my own book here, you know, this is we're we're trying to give evidence in regards to the Parivas Sutra, and I've already made prior statements regarding all the major speakers and inquirers in this great Puranic presentation and pointed and shown to you as the reader that it's all in relation to Sri Krishna. Then we come up to the next section of the Anucheda. So these are like subsections of a very long Anucheda, the 74th Anucheda. And now we come to the, the fifth and the sixth hermeneutical principles uh, in regards to 
Mimamsa. So the next one is Stana, position or order. Next to be considered is Stana, which is defined as the correlation of one ordered set of items to another ordered set of items. Such correspondence is clearly evident in the section that begins with the above quoted verse, 1112, just as in the section on the Darsa Purnamasa sacrifice, some functions such as the Upamsu Yaga and some mantras such as the beer, a sea, are enumerated. There, the order in which a particular mantra is mentioned is precisely correlated to the order of functions pertaining to the sacrifice. Similarly, in the Bhagavat, a correspondence is to be found between the order of questions and response as in the following verse. So, Jiva's pointing out that when we look deeply to the directives in the Mamamsa section, dealing with these sacrifices and these attainments of, of heaven, uh, that the specific mantras that are chanted during the sacrifice directly correspond one to another in the same sequence, position or order, as stana means. Um, so the, the mantras presented correspond and are presented in the same order as those different um, procedures conducted during the sacrifice. And then he goes on to show in the Bhagavatam, we see similar thing. It happens there too in the Bhagavat. O sage, then he quotes the following verse. O sages, you have questioned me in a highly significant manner, beneficial for the entire world, because through inquiry about Krishna as conducted by you, is itself that by which complete fulfillment of the self comes into being. Thorough, I'm sorry, not through. Because thorough inquiry about Krishna, as conducted by you, is itself that by which complete fulfillment of the self comes into being. In this verse, the word Krishna mentioned in response to the first question indicated earlier in the Bhagavatam is understood to correlate to he who was designated there as the one born of Devaki. We've already kind of uh, expanded on that a little bit. And now we come to the uh, concluding uh, item of the six hermeneutic principles. Sat Praman, Samakya name, next to be considered is Samakya, which is defined as a description involving equivalence in terms of name. This equivalence is to be seen in the verse Jagrahe Purusham Rupam, which culminates in the verse Iti Chamsa Kalapumsa Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam. This is comparable to the naming of the mantras called Adwara, such as 
Agnir Yajnam Nayatu Prajanan, which are applied in the ritual acts designated as a Dwarya. The duties related to the Adwarya, Adwaryu priest. So here, by using the name, by referring to the name, uh, again, we can arrive at Praman or evidential support. And we look to the Bhagavatam, we see at the very beginning, the first verse of the third chapter uh, speaks and about uh, the Purusha uh, manifestation. And, you know, Purusham Rupam, what is that form? Jagrahe Purusham Rupam. So when we read this verse, Jiva points out, we can see that there is a correspondence between the opening verse and this closing verse, where it's the same, the same name is utilized. Pum sa Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam. So a little commentary in regards to these last two items. The fifth Pramana is called stana or core correlativity in terms of position. It is also sometimes called krama or order because it refers to the one-to-one -one correspondence, yatha sankhya, existing between two sets of items. When two things are found together in a common location or on this account, being become related to each other as principal and subordinate elements, such a relation is said to be determined by the interpretive principle known as stana pramana. Sutta remarks that Sunaka's question pertaining Sunaka's questions pertain specifically to Krishna. Yet there have been numerous individuals named Krishna throughout history. So, to which Krishna is he referring? This is settled by the hermeneutic principle known as yatha, sankhya patha, or krama praman. Earlier, sankhya had expressed his eagerness to learn the reasons for the appearance on earth of Krishna, the son of Devaki and Vasudeva. Consequently, the Krishna to whom Sutta refers has to be the son of Devaki and Vasudeva. Samakya refers to the etymological yujika, meaning of a word, and as has already been mentioned, linga refers to the conventional meaning, rudi. Samakya also helps in understanding the relation between principal and subordinate elements. Samakya is of two types, namely Vedic and laukika, that, will, that which is current in the word world. If the word is from the Vedas, it is Vedic Samakya. Otherwise, otherwise it is Laukika. Drawing on the principle, principle of Samakya, Sujiva Goswami points to the equivalence of the words Purusham found in the 
first verse of the third chapter, and the word pumsa in the 28th verse of the same chapter. And between these two verses are all the various in Sutta Goswami has provided a listing of various avataric descents of the Supreme Lord, beginning with the Purushas, and then the Gunas, and then the different Leela avatars. The etymological meaning of the word Pumsa is identical to that of the word Purusha. It is thus demonstrated that the Krishna, who is Swayam Bhagavan, is the same Bhagavan who expanded as the Purusha. In this way, by application of the six pramanas, Sri Jiva confirms that Krishna is the chief subject of Bhagavat of the Bhagavat Purana, and that he is Swayam Bhagavan. So we'll continue in our next discourse, uh, finishing up this Anucheda uh, with uh, an example of Sadlinga. This is another set of hermeneutics. And he's, he points out that he's already discussed this set um, in the Paramatma Sandarbha. And here he just uses, I believe, one or two of them uh, to again fortify our understanding of the significance of the Parivas Sutra. And we can see this is further fortification of of the Parivas Sutra, that whatever way you look at it, direct statements, supporting statements, even the application of the different systems of hermeneutics, we can arrive at no conclusion other than the entirety of the presentation of the Bhagavat Purana is primarily directed towards understanding of Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So I thank you very much for your time. I can address any questions if there are any. Otherwise, I thank you so very much. Panchakalpatu Vischa, Kripasindabhivacha, Patitanam Bhavanebhyo, Vaishnavijanamo Namaha. Hare Krishna. Shri Mandulal Sandra Prabhu ki jai.